This is Cincy Brewcast. If you're a new listener, I guess I should tell you what it's about. Um, somebody criticized me the other day for never telling people what the show is about. And I always just assume that if somebody clicks on it and reads the description and everything, they can figure out what it's about. But um, okay, this is a show about beer. Um, I am not really a gnome. I just go by the gnarly gnome. And I like to drink beer. So I made a podcast so I could find an excuse to once a week get out of the house and go drink beer without being criticized by my wife about it. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the show. And uh, just by coincidence, we're at a brewery talking about beer. <laughs> we are at Nine Giant. Um, I should have pulled this up before we started. How long has it been since we've been here? It's like, let me look here. Millions and millions of years. Um, uh, we've been up in four and a half years. I think we did one... Right about then, no, before that, mm-hmm. and then we did one. We did one when over you guys at Overlook, were open. right? Um, we did kind of a we Pleasant Ridge, yeah. Oh, and I forgot to. Connect that this may have been right after we little. signed on this property. May that, have been. We did. No. We did one downstairs in the tap room after mm-hmm. you guys were open, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Which was probably the last one. Mm-hmm. How's that whole not getting criticized by your wife thing working out? Uh, I mean, I keep holding hope that maybe (laughs) there's some days where she pretends like she understands why I do what I do. And um, that's a pretty good outcome, honestly. uh, 2016. Mm. Wow. Um, 9-7-2016 was the last time. So like three months after we opened. That's embarrassing. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Hey, man. Hey, we've seen you since then. (laughs) It just hasn't been on the radio or podcast. I apologize. I, I do love you guys. It's not a, uh, a slight towards you guys. We've been harboring <laughs> anger about it for four years now. Everybody, uh, and now you're going to hear about it. <laughs> Everybody introduce yourself so people can hear your voice and know who you are. The tell, of tell them who you are and what you do here. Uh, I'm Brandon. Uh, what, what the hell do I do here? I sign checks or something, I think, <laughs> um, and do some marketing shenanigans uh, and tell dad jokes. That's most of my job. No, I'm like marketing and business stuff. But uh, Mike Alberola, I'm the other co-founder of Nine Giant. Uh, I am sort of brewing operations and uh, head head of maintenance. Yeah, I believe. <laughs> uh, don't forget human resources and human resources. We don't trust. Yeah, him Mike. Resources. Mike has the word that he touched you, doll. <laughs> uh, I'm Chris. I'm a brewer and assistant janitor. <laughs> Was it Scott LaFollette that had a yeast? Uh, East Wrangler or something yeah. on his business cards. Yeah. Is that what it was? <laughs> it's true. Um, before we kind of dive into, you will notice if you've been to Nine Giant, um, this show is not nearly as loud as it should be because we are not sitting in the tap room. And we're going to talk. Well, we are kind of. We'll talk about all of that first. If anybody doesn't know Nine Giant, can you give them a uh, short, clever? description of what you guys are as a uh, brew pub yeah uh i i think our goal whether we've gotten there or not is up for debate i suppose but um the goal was to create the most um unique uh taproom experience possible uh sorry the most unique brew pub experience possible and that was let's see how far we can push the limits of quality on both the drink side the the food side and the service side um, we do it in a really small place. It seats about 70 before this stupid fucking virus. Um, so we seat about 35 right now. It's a little tiny patio. Um, but yeah, it's a small little space. We do our own little thing. We don't really can or bottle, so we really want people to experience the Nine Giant product, whatever it be, within the four walls of Nine Giant or, or now eight walls. 
Yeah, we have a, we have a whopping <laughs> 1,200 square foot like actual tap room, a 300 square foot kitchen, a 1,500 square foot brewery. Um, we think we do all those things equally well. We're able to put food and beer together and, and just really try and drive the limits of what we can do within a very confined space. Well, it was, when you guys opened, there were not a lot of places that were putting as much of a focus on the food as they were the beer. And, and the mm-hmm. world was very different than mm-hmm. it is now for a lot of different reasons. But um, you guys were kind of one of the first places in, yep. in, in Cincinnati to to really drive that focus and say that if you're coming in here and uh, maybe you don't want to drink a beer, you're just coming in here to grab some food, you're going to have as good of an experience as somebody who's coming in here because you know, the latest trendy whatever beer is on tap. It's always changing. It's always, you know, you never really know when you walk in what is going to be on tap. You don't know what's going to be coming out of the kitchen. It's it's just, it's always this evolving experience. And um, I think you guys have nailed it. If, if my you. vote counts for anything. It does. <laughs> like I mean, we just, like, most of it is we just, I mean, like, we don't want to be fucking bored, right? So we like playing and we've given ourselves, I think, as a business strategy enough room to play in where beer wise like we can do whatever we want to like we're not niched into like we're gonna do this one certain thing right. and um we're known for xyz thing and on the like food side we're somewhere between uh upscale bar food and gastro pub and that's that's a lot of green space to play mm-hmm. um so we just like to have fun i mean it's not it's not the entertaining to make the same stuff be it beer or food every day and have the same customers come in and get the same food and the same drink. Just like, Meh, I don't know. That's not that interesting. It's kind of an interesting way that we came about this. I mean, you know, at first it was, hey, let's start a brewery. And then it became, hey, we feel this is the best way to approach having a brewery and a successful brewery is to have food along with what we're doing. And it, to be integrated, to be what we have control over. We were scared shitless of the food side. That's like, true. Literally scared. And I'm still it, scared. It, yeah, because we know... We know the quality of stuff that we want to do and want to put out all the time. Well, the restaurant industry is also very different than yes. the beer industry. Yes, but we and knew neither things. coming into it. So it's like, all right, screw it. We could, we've got one more thing that we have to, <laughs> one more mountain to climb. What's the big deal? Um, it also let us make our own rules up, though. Yeah, that's the thing. Right. Like challenging all the conventions of what a typical brew pub should be. It's like, you know, you talk about rock bottom. It's like beer by color. And it's like, well, you got to have your chicken barbecue pizza and you got to have a, a French dip sandwich. And it's like, we don't have any of that. Like, we've right. kind of taken, like, right, we've got a burger and fries and everything else we're riffing on. You know, it's like we've got a lighter beer, like a pale ale. We've got not some IPAs. And then we're riffing all over the place with that, too. I mean, it, we can kind of allow ourselves to have creative freedom allow our customers with being especially hyper local the way we are have variety each time they come in because guarantee you there's a new beer if not two and there's probably two or three different menu items like week to week you know it's it's it keeps it fresh for everybody like like we were talking about before we started recording we're we have that small size advantage where we can pivot to the market or to people's I, whims I to whatever like a, we want to do bell to, to hit every time somebody <laughs> hits one of the buzzwords pivot is pivot. definitely one of them yeah <laughs> Which it. is, I, I love working here because of that, because yeah. I'm not making the same beer over and over again. Like we're, we're constantly exploring mm-hmm. new flavor combinations, you know, beer side and food side. It's, it's super fun. It, it makes it, I mean, exciting is kind of a, a lame way to describe the way it is when you, when you come in here, but, but it is like, it's exciting to not, like I, maybe I'm different than a lot of craft beer drinkers, but like when I walk in a place the first thing I want to do is try something that's new and try something that I might not have had before and that 
is just gonna maybe by the end of the night I'm drinking that that old standby, but um, I like that that changing, evolving yeah. thing and just seeing what somebody else wants me to try, and, and that's like that's, that's kind of what drives you yeah. guys, and that's so that's kind of why I like coming here so much. Yeah. I mean, to be frank, like I remember calling Mike the one day because um, we didn't have a plan for the beers. This is like f- five and a half years ago. We didn't really we knew we were going to be small and probably not do packaged product, but um, we used to go, now this is not to disparage anybody because I'm about to be very specific about where this idea came from, but um, we would go to Mad Tree 1.0 all the time. And we would go there and sort of, you know, and I'm using air quotes, plan the brewery slash get shit-faced. Um, <laughs> I have to go work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, what I was thinking about one like afternoon after probably a night of too much drinking there was that we never ordered psychopathy or lift or any of those beers when we went there like we went like oh cool that there's this um what's the otphj like you know like (laughs) um so we we would get their like one-off stuff we would try all the like tree searches and like that's what we always got them we were there all the time and i was like why don't we build a brewery and just do that stuff like just do the one-offs right like because that's what we were interested in so we kind of built this almost as like a if we were to invent a place we would go drink at. Like, mm-hmm. what would we do? I was like, well, I want really cool food that's probably made from scratch and a little bit uppity. Um, and one-off beer that I haven't had before. Um, yeah, well, that's where it came from. You guys, so when you guys kind of started talking about what the idea behind Nine Giant was, that was when I developed my idea of the perfect brewery tap room. And I, I know I've talked to you guys about this before. I want yep. to walk into a tap room and there are no names of beers maybe a beer style, but probably not a beer style. I just want like a general description and an ABV. And that's all I want to see when I walk in there. And then you just have to pour it and just drink it and just enjoy it. Right. And I I still want that so bad somewhere. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe like a, maybe like a bar or something is the uh, (laughs) solution to that. I need to. Oh, it's actually a really fun idea because like there's so many preconceptions of, of what a beer is depending on like, how granular your knowledge is about beer, right? So sure. if you like walk into a place and you're like, what's a New England IPA and how's it different from a hazy IPA? And the answer is, I don't fucking know. Um, there really isn't one, I, I don't think, right? Am I wrong? I think, that, anyway. I, think, I think somebody has created a difference between them actually. Right. I don't, I don't. Okay, okay. <laughs> this, this, this is why I just signed the checks. Um, but no, like, I mean, I think if you just walked in and you were like, oh, it's like, it tastes like stone fruit and it's hoppy and it's, I mean, you, you kind of know what that is, right? That's probably some kind of a newer school New Zealand IPA, but like why tell people IPA if like what, if, if somebody's frame of reference is, um, I know what stone IPA is. Well, and New England's going to taste totally different, right? Right. Um, so if you just tell them like, Hey, it's kind of bitter, but not as bitter. I don't know. I, I, I heard, think that's cool. I heard something the other day. I don't know if I read it or it was on a podcast or something, but somebody was talking to, they worked at a bar and they were talking about this guy that came into the bar and he walked up and he sat down. This was pre COVID of course, and sat at the bar where you could be face to face with people. I miss it so much and, and sat down and he got a flight or, and he's like, I just, I, I want to try all of the IPAs that you guys have on tap. You just, you know, just start rolling through them and she started pouring samples and he picked up the first one and it was this beautiful, you know, crystal clear, you know, perfect West coast IPA. And he took a sip and he made this face. He's like, Oh my God, what is that? She's like, it's, it's an IPA. And he's like, that's not an IPA because he had this thing in his head that IPAs are new England's there. Oh, they're hazy, they're juicy, right? they're fruity. Mm-hmm. And like people build these things in their head of what something is supposed to be instead of just sitting down and drinking. And like there's 
where we're, we're, you know, we could get into a whole rabbit hole there, just how we're drifting so far away from that experience of sitting around a table or sitting at a bar with people and mm. just drinking, just, you know, somebody pour something in your glass and here, here, man, try this. And you, you don't know what it is. And for you, yeah. before you even ask, you just, you smell it and you drink it and man, that's good. Or that sucks. What is that? You know, like, and it's, that's the fun that's, of it. That's always been your vision, Mike, for what this was from the very get go. Like mm-hmm. even more, more so than me was he wanted this to be a place where people, you know, sit down, break, break bread. I think it's a term you always mm-hmm. use, right? Um, and talk about beer and try different things. And like, you know, I think we, we probably do that pretty well or did that pretty well before yes. a pandemic ruined <laughs> every American, <laughs> the murder hornets are coming and at least we can still get out of the house and we can still get drinks places as long as it's not too late at night and you have a mask Correct. and you don't touch anybody for, or look anybody for, in the eyes. For now. <laughs> I think related to that, um, we our logger game has improved and we're making more loggers now, but we used to, you know, one logger every like six to eight months. Mm-hmm. But people coming in looking for that kind of lighter beer we would side sell them something they wouldn't normally try, like a Saison or a Grisette, like styles that they're like, wait, what is that? I've never even heard of that. Lighter, drier, but completely different experiences. Yeah. And it sometimes would work. Yeah, but, absolutely. You know, like, sometimes it doesn't. If you've got somebody that walks in and says, oh man, I really like Pilsner, I want a Pilsner, like th- that ability to talk to them about Saison and how mm-hmm. it is similar, but very different, like just get, starting that conversation and just getting people just jazzed about beer like people get we yeah. get so caught up in this other thing now and like it i don't know no i know i mean it, it, i think one of the things i'm most proud of is that we have had a saison almost on continuously since we've opened yeah some sort of other belgian yeah, yeah and it's like we've been driving belgian styles we've been driving you know a lot of these things that are on the fringes of mainstream beer mainly because they, they're kind of interesting to us and we, we are trying to do that conversation. I think our bar pre-COVID had some of the best like bar culture around. I mean, we had what, 15, 16 seats and I think they were they were always full. Even when the place wasn't busy, we had a lot of like people that were specifically on, on Plinko night. We, we had a lot of people that were there Plinko every nights. single Wednesday. And you know, it's like you had regulars for different nights. Like there were Tuesday night guys, there were Wednesday night guys. And it just, it, it was, it was a great thing that I, that I was glad that we were able to foster. And we, I, Chris and I enjoyed it. I mean, there were certain, certain regulars that we would see on a weekly basis that mean a lot to us, but yes, but it is about that conversation. And we've, we've talked with our staff of like, you know, trying to maintain as much, I mean, we try and streamline service as much as possible. It's a very big thing. It's one of the reasons we don't have tasters. Um, one of the things we work on with the kitchen to make sure that we're driving, you know, a, a, a quick experience for service, but also still having the ability to get into a deeper conversation about beer. If there, right. the opportunity is there and people really want to do it. Yeah, if someone asks a question, most of the bartenders have like a base knowledge or at least have a piece of paper that is printed out with more like nerdy details they can mm. refer to to like right. answer questions and just kind of generally educate customers yeah brandon and i are a very good blend of things brandon likes to keep things simple most people i love to give you way too much information so we (laughs) kind of meet in the middle so it works out uh this is a beer show we should talk about a beer sure we went way down the uh a rabbit hole there from the beer fridge it's not even a beer fridge though (laughs) it's a beer cooler from from a it's not even a cooler (laughs) insulated box it's an insulated box (laughs) um 
tell me, tell me about this beer. So uh, we've although it looks like I'm oh no, Brandon still has some. Maybe a little bit left. There's a little bit I more do. we can pour. Um, so we've we've taken some of the time that we've been graced with our tanks, and we've kind of been moving a little bit more into developing more pilsners, uh, just because we've got time. We don't have to worry about getting that beer in and out in 15 days. Um, we're still selling a lot of IPA. Things have kind of flattened out on the beer front. Um, so we've kind of been playing around with, I don't know, I think we've run, we were doing the math yesterday, four different lager yeasts in the last yeah, four or five so. months. Yeah, four different lager yeah. yeasts. So we're, we're, again, like everything, we don't, we don't necessarily batch out the same beer over and over and over again. We want to continue to explore, create, and really just get ourselves in trouble. But so usually it's, we're adding a whole bunch of things with Pilsner brewing or lager brewing. You are taking a lot of things out. It's stripping it down to its most basic components of, um, Pilsner malt, maybe a little bit of modifier malt in one position and finding these super clean yeasts and giving them a lot of time. And just, and that's one of the biggest components of this thing. Um, other than being, I, I'm, I'm developing a, theory, developing a theory that most craft brewers, given the amount of time that they spend developing IPAs, if you get that same amount of time to develop loggers, we're going to have a hell of a lot of great loggers. If this goes on like the way that it's going, and everybody, you've seen a lot more lager right. brewing going on. Yeah, totally. You're going to see the level of lager literacy come up. So, so, this, I, so this beer is boxer sorry, yeah, sorry. German pilsner. <laughs> before we go too much further down the rabbit hole of lots of information about a yeah. beer, we haven't explained what it is. So, so it's it's super simple. Oh, it's I fucking love you. German pilsner malt. It is a little bit of um, care foam, uh, German Tettinger hops, and um, this was Augustiner, Augustiner yeast. And you know, it's it's super clean, super crisp. It's got just a little bit of like hop presence in the middle of it. Uh, not what you would expect in terms of like an IPA, like it's going to hit you over the top of the head, but it's like, it's light and it's crisp up front, super clean. We've talked on this show plenty of times about my love for Pilsners, even from the beginning. Yes, for Mike's And, and it, it's like this perfect vessel of just show showcasing all of the ingredients of beer and showing how they all play this, this, this role in, um, that that end result, and um, you guys nailed it with this one. Yeah, it. Um, I'm, I'm curious now to try. I want to try like the same pilsner with four different lager yeasts at the same time. I want to try them all. <laughs> Funny you should ask. No, I'm not. Yeah. No, we See, haven't gone. Now that I need far another yet. bar that's all the same beer, just different lager yeasts. That, yeah, <laughs> that would. Well, actually, that's what White that. Labs does. Yeah, White Labs. So when I went to White Labs, they did not have nearly as many of just the same beer. Like the, I think mm-hmm. the, the most was like four of the same yeah, beer same. with different use, and that was a little, a little disappointing for like me at the time. Two or three of most things when, when I was there, and that was pretty pretty recent. Yeah. Well, well that's where the concept breaks down. It's like the, the ones that are better and cleaner, people are going to have more of. It's right. not like they're going to order a flight of everything. It's like, oh, there's only an ESB, and they're using a... I don't know. What is that? Why are they using a Hefeweizen yeast on an ESP? You know, like it's, it's, it's weird stuff like that. It's going to wind I up was, like sticking around. I was thrown again to go down another <laughs> rabbit hole. Um, I was thrown off. Um, I think it was like a, a porter or stout, something dark. And, and uh, they had, um, like I said, four of them. And there was like two of them that were like a stark different color than the other ones. I don't know, suspended yeast or whatever. I don't, I don't know the science behind it, but um, it kind of surprised me how much yeast can affect something as as you know 
completely other side of the spectrum is the color of the beer. You think that that's, you know, comes from the malt and all that stuff, but the, how much that played into that too was pretty, um, pretty crazy. Rabbit hole. Yes. Back up. Back up. <laughs> um, like I said, this this beer is fantastic. Um, I love, 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 love lagers this time of year. Um, I guess that is the one good thing that has come from mm-hmm. all of this crap. We're going to see, like you said, a lot of a lot of lagers, uh, a lot of barrel aged beers, that kind of stuff that um, yeah, I, I really enjoy. And it's uh, the really cool thing with these is like you can't hide shit no in these beers not a thing like if you fuck up the brewing process or you know your, your malt bill's not spot on you don't take your time with it you don't give it the right tank time like these come out like sulfur bombs or they're just like i mean there's just not a lot you can do you're not going to adjunct these with passion fruit and tri- 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 triple dry hop right <laughs> um uh we, we we have not done that here so i think you know there's uh, I've drank a lot of Crispy Boys the last couple months, and like this thing's pretty freaking flawless. Um, yeah. The, the real question is, will we be able to do it again? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out. Find out. Um, we'll probably just change the yeast, and then like change an ingredient, and it'll, just it'll still be we'll the same. change the name, and then nobody yeah. will care. It's like, <laughs> oh, it's, like, it's a Hellas now. Look that way, no that. one knows. Yeah. <laughs> now it's a different beer. There's lots of people that have done that. Actually, now that you mentioned that, oh. <laughs> we won't name those names. Um, let's talk about why uh, we are in a different room than your tap room. Let's talk about this expansion. That uh, when was it first written about that you guys were doing this? That it was, I think, a long. I should have pulled out the quote. Ago. I should have pulled out the quote from the article. That don't was, don't was probably ever, like, don't, don't ever pull out my quotes in the next. Yeah. It, well, it wasn't one of yours. It was one of oh, the uh, right, you know, like the reporters that decided this is you know going to happen in x amount of months or whatever it was <laughs> yeah i'm like the i'm like the donald trump of the brewery owner just make up bullshit all the time <laughs> no one should ever believe it development's hard <laughs> Did i say that it's not We're the best fun. best in the world best this is going to be the best um, expansion the best. uh yeah. most fantastic it's expansion be, ever it's going to be huge that that might have been 2018 yeah so it, it's been about uh a little over two years which is embarrassing um, as a as a length of time, um, but the nine giant fermentorium, which is where we're sitting right now, and is probably open to the public here in let's call it six to eight weeks ish ish. Mm-hmm. Oh, there, were, um, there were things out of our control. There were of a lot of out, out of our control, um, but uh, this was born out of the fact that we ran out of space. So um, nine giants done really well the last couple of years. All credit to my team and to Mike for all of that. Um, and like on a Friday, Saturday room, like a Wednesday night here, like there, there's no room. So pre pre COVID, um, there was no room. There was no seats. There were people waiting. Um, it's busy as shit sometimes. Mm-hmm. And there are still people waiting. There's like a velvet rope you have to get past. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you like you like my rope. Um, so we started looking around and we said, okay, like we're out of room physically. There's nowhere to expand. Like blowing a wall out doesn't really exist here. We also just rented a room in the brewery because we wanted to like um, have more room to play and experiment and, and, and really do some more barrel aging. We've done a little bit of it, but we just ran out of space. So right. um, a space was available right around the corner, literally out the back door. Um, so this space had been empty for like a decade. It was originally, I think, the post office back in the 50s or 60s. Um, these beautiful high ceilings, amazing hardwood floors. 
Um, so this is a, you know, it, um, effectively one story with a basement. So what the space is going to be, the basement is our like barrel aging facility. So it's the nine giant fermentorium barrel aging house or something. Um, Marketing, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. <laughs> um, and then, so the, uh, the main floor, so when you walk in the door, you're walking into the nine giant fermentorium bar, uh, which really, what we wanted to do since we had the space here to not just barrel age was to create a drinkery as a counterpoint to what's become the brew pubby restaurant side in the tap room. So it's let's let that be the restaurant it's, it, that it's trying to be and really create the, and, and keep creating um, and like evolving the sort of ultimate tap room experience. But let's create a drinkery over here for people who don't want to sit and have a burger, or like be surrounded by kids screaming and throwing crayons or whatever kids do. Um, so um, the Nine Giant Fermentorium Drinkery is going to feature all the barrel stuff that we're doing in the basement here, down in the, in the dungeon. Um, all of your sort of main beers from over at the Nine Giant Tap Room. Uh, we're putting in 30 total taps here, um, which is going to, I think, end up being maybe like 20-ish, 20 to 22 beers over the course of time as we sort of build and grow into that. Um, and then also some draft cocktails, some, some draft wines, uh, soda, we're talking about cider. Um, so we're giving ourselves enough room to play there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're, so we're also for the first time going to take on a full-time curated cocktail program here. Nice. Um, giving it the same detail and I don't know, attention that we've done to everything else that we've done. Um, we added the frozen cocktail machine a couple months ago and that thing's been bonkers. Um, we probably take frozen cocktails as seriously as anybody out there, which is funny. Um, but uh, so yeah, we're really pushing the envelope there. We're doing the same thing on the cocktail side. We're still name, kind of sort name of three people that take frozen cocktails seriously. <laughs> me, I know. Uh, me and my bar staff. Um, no, it's like most places that have frozen I cocktails. It. I, it's, I mean, it. it's like you're going to get. It's always going to be a margarita and froze. Uh-huh. Like boom, and like so we did that for like the first week, and I was like, I'm bored with this. So right now we're doing a uh, a blue or sorry blackberry bourbon lemonade and a tropical creamsicle that are freaking amazing. Um, so yeah, so we're, so we're gonna bring the same sort of weight and seriousness to, to the real cocktail program, the, 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 the non-frozen um, <laughs> that we've done to that. Uh, we're also gonna, gonna push the envelope wine-wise over here. Um, I'm kind of a wine nerd, so is Mike. Um, so in, in the same way we do over at the tap room now, frankly, we've done for you know four and a half years now, like, we take wine pretty seriously too. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't make it, but we get pretty cool shit. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we, we we again variety craft putting things together in the right way that makes the great experience that we want to provide to other people. But I mean, what I what I like about your your tap room brew pub, mm-hmm. whatever you want to consider the, the, the snackery, is what I think the, the original description uh, of it was. Uh, the snackery was, which I like that you <laughs> called this a drinkery, the snackery and the drinkery. Um, I, I like that you guys take all of these things very seriously over there, the food, the, the beer, and, and yet you walk in and it still is comfortable. There might be a kid throwing crayons around. Like, it still feels comfortable. Yeah. I, I'm i excited to see if you can, maybe not the, the throwing crayons and that kind of thing, but I'm excited to see if you can bring that non-pretentious side of drinking into a place like this and into cocktails. That It's one of my biggest gripes with, I love cocktails, I hate snobby cocktail bars yeah. where uh, if you just want to grab a beer, you get you know looked down upon, and it's this this. Ugh. 
I mean, you don't want my smoked, uh, you know, whatever. I want I, I want places that just kind of bring that joy back to drinking, like we talked about before. And yeah, um, I think the if fact that can do it, I think you guys can. Yeah, I mean, well, and we're also starting from a position of like we are a brewery, right? So the beer is always going to be front and center. Now we're going to take everything else we do pretty seriously too. Um, cause we like, we don't know how to half-ass anything. Like mm-hmm. we just don't like, we just, Unfortunately. we just won't do it. Um, so I like, we're not going to take on cocktails and not put the same effort in crafting them that we're going to do with, you know, fancy barrel aged beers. I think that's part of the, the secret to what you guys do though, is that when you, when you walk in around the corner to the tap room, you walk in and it's, it's a tap room. You, you, you see the equipment, you, you, it's definitely a tap room when you walk in you don't see that the food is this huge part of what the place is <laughs> well, but that but that's the word of mouth though you know i mean right that's, but, but that's and that's kind of so when you say that you know we're still a brewery first and foremost like yeah when you walk in here i want to see a bunch of taps i want to see beer i want to see glasses of beer i want to see something that reminds me that this is a brewery and then you see somebody shaking a cocktail like oh you guys have cocktails and then you kind of dive into that thing and you're gonna um or word of mouth, or however gets you in here. Yeah, you know, it, it, you right. know, that, that's exciting to me. That's that's fun, yeah. and I it, I don't know if it's um, I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm ashamed of myself that I'm excited about the cocktail program at a brewery, or <laughs> <laughs> I don't like I can't you know we, we we've talked way too much about seltzer on this this show and the other shows that I do, so I won't dive into seltzer too much. But there's there's something that bothers me about seeing people drinking seltzer in breweries and I don't know if I should feel that same way about cocktails and about wine and about cider and things like that and I can't I can't figure it out in my head like what <laughs> I can't figure it out I just occasionally we never say never we, we occasionally we don't we, we try not to go there um, we, we did actually do a slightly spiced beer one time since you had your famous I will not make a spiced beer quote but oh I forgot to pull the pumpkin quote I think exactly. there was a yeah, yeah pumpkin to pull yeah. it was, it, was it was over my dead fucking body was, yeah. was, was <laughs> what I said but then the version of a pumpkin beer we make is like completely not, like esoteric and yes. like different than and any other pumpkin beer yeah. we should have so, pulled a careful with the trademark yeah sorry there, sorry yeah yeah, yeah. yes Registered. Uh, I can't wait for them to open. TM. I, I, I just, I, I feel that like. We love you, Brian. We're just joking. We don't want to, we don't want that to be part of what we're doing at this time. I, I, I'm not going to disparage anyone from like chasing what that thing is but in what, terms of seltzer, but that's just not what, it's not what we're interested in exploring. What separates that from having a cocktail emphasis is it because like you can't make seltzer craft you can't you can't craft seltzer craft extracts i don't know I, you know I mean, I, I is mean, that is that really the, the how simple it is i, I mean I, I, that's kind of where you know with with frozen drink machine we're kind of giving you like you know oh well it's our guilty pleasure right now right. but it's like we're sticking real fruit in there and that's kind of revolutionary for people and they're like why why does it taste so good well it has fruit in it like, like you know, hand processing like twenty pounds of strawberries yeah. and things like that. Like it's not. It's it's the nine giant way of doing it. We yeah. don't we don't take the shortcut. We're we're literally like we'll sometimes get we'll a take puree as few shortcuts as we as we, as we possibly yeah. can. Sometimes we'll get really high quality pre made purees, but we're not getting like strawberry extract and starting with that yeah. and, or strawberry juice. I, I guess that's where my line is with with the seltzer thing. It's like you know. I should clarify because I'm going to get emails from people yeah. who are making seltzer that say our seltzer is craft. I'm not saying you can't craft seltzer. I'm saying that that is not what makes seltzer popular and what people want 
Yeah, but if, if, <laughs> anyone, if anyone wants to make seltzer, that's that's their decision. <laughs> it's just not something that we wanted to explore at this time. I mean, if we do wind up doing, we're probably going to go the fruit route. I think we were talking with Chad at Neuropath, and he was doing that same sort of thing where he's just like, oh, we're just going to jam a bunch of fruit it, and we'll take it in this direction. Is it the same original direction of the same drinker that you're attacking with, like, you know, the people that are drinking all the other canned seltzers that are out there? Probably not. But it's, it's exploration. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I also don't know that I'm opposed to putting like, because who is it? Seventh Son makes a craft. Yes, yeah, they have Kitty yeah, Paw. Kitty Paw, yeah. Yeah, that's just not bad. It's not, <laughs> it really isn't. Is it available down here? Yeah. yeah. Yes. I yes. I believe it is. Streetside has an underdraft. Yeah. Um, but like, I would. I think Mike, Mike, and I might differ on this, but like, I would put that on on draft at the affirmatorium. Like, I don't, you know, let's like whatever experience that you want to have, like within certain boundaries. Like, I, I don't, I don't probably want to sell White Claws. Um, but I think doing something that somebody quasi locals making isn't like that far out of bounds brand wise. Um, but you know, it's like what this, I guess what I, what I don't get about the seltzer craze is this. And I'm not saying that I am not prone to having a claw every now and again, but like, why would you not just get a vodka soda? That's fine. That is. That's what I don't understand. One hundred percent, my confusion with it. Or like, I, and full disclosure, I am planning a massive seltzer show, and I have drank. I think. I think the latest <laughs> count was like seventy-four different oh seltzers in the last couple of months. I, I've had so many seltzers, and they're all just kind of the same thing. But I don't understand if if low calorie is what you want, right. and you still want to drink. Like, forget the soda. Like, just just get some whiskey and just sit there and drink whiskey. Like it yeah. tastes good. Or if you want something that's like super refreshing, like, so I, I want this giant like ranch water kick. Like I've, you ever had ranch water? No. So, uh, uh, Please tequila, tell lime juice, Topo Chico. Okay. okay. It'll I, blow your mind. Can we call it something other than ranch water? Cause ranch it's, water sounds it, very, that's like, fair. Walmart. But it is called ranch water. So this is, this is like a like thing like down in like Texas where the, Oh, yeah, that's, where that's, like cowboy hats are, um, they would just grab like limes off of the tree and squeeze it. And I, I guess they like carry I don't know tequila around or something and pop their pop their like Topo Chico because so Texas take things. yeah. I mean Texans take like Topo Chico very seriously, right? So they they carry on Topo Chico also on the ranch. Sure, yeah. And that's what they do. It's just you know tequila, lime, Topo Chico. It's fantastic. Yeah. It'll make you never want a margarita again. Um, uh. Right? Okay. <laughs> Maybe not. Um, I'll try it. But you would like. If you compare that to like a lemon lime white claw, like what are you even doing with that thing? Right. Like, I don't know. It's when that's, you know, in this, we're again down another rabbit hole of seltzer, of course. Um, part of this, this struggle that I've been trying to classify all these things and figure out what, what a seltzer really is, you know, like, like Jose Cuervo has their, uh, I don't remember what they call it. Some, something fun kind of sassy name, but, um, it's tequila and soda and then some kind of flavoring with it. And right. I, I feel like that's cheating. Like it's, that's not, that, 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 that's missing the whole point. That's just a lame cocktail. Like that's right. <laughs> Which is fine. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a highball, right? Like right. that's exactly. Um, so it's so one thing that we're going to do here. We're, we're, we're thinking strongly about doing is we're going to do um, uh, uh, liquor infusions. So we're going to get like, like giant Mason like, jars, like, right. Yeah. And do like, pineapple vodka and we'll have strawberry rum so if you want to do like that as a shot with club soda like done easy so like i don't know if that's a that's a proxy it's, it's like a, that's like a better version of a of a vibe or a oh, what shit should i not say that um <laughs> of a, i can i can bleep it out or something right um 
What was he used to Mike? So Mike originally thought Vive was pronounced Vive. Vive. It's my favorite fucking story though. ever, man. Like, <laughs> well, they're making that Vive down there in Kentucky. Well, I, I, I think that it also does open up that conversation. If somebody comes up to the bar and says, hey, do you guys have any seltzers? If you're able to give the time to start that conversation, like, well, no, but kind of. Like, let's, give me a second. No, and but, you can uh, create them a drink yeah. that is Here's a what they want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, it, also in the seamless transition zone, uh, here's our, our Mexican dark lager. Oh, yes. So yeast number three or four in the exploration. Um, we, I, I don't know. We've, every, Mexican lagers are a thing now. And what makes it a Mexican lager? Um, it is yeast. It's a kind of a general. So it wasn't made in Mexico. It was not made in Mexico. Okay. It's a general riff. There's a wall now. <laughs> Just a couple we, pieces we, of wall. We couldn't get it stay, over, stay over the out wall. of the rabbit holes. Stay out of the rabbit holes. <laughs> I like the rabbit holes. So it's a, it's basically kind of a, a riff on without Negr- rabbit holes. Negr- the show is like ten minutes. I, long. I understand. I know. I know. <laughs> it's a riff on Negromodelo. I mean, you're kind of moving into that that sort of dark Mexican lager to where it's it's which is actually comes from. Um, I'm going to get the colonial expansion wrong, but there was there, there were there were people from Vienna who were moved, brewers were right. moved into Mexico, and then you know the Viennese style kind of got translated into this. So this is kind of a, a modified this Vienna lager. Yeah. So I, mean, it, I almost always say that something is great when I taste it because I just like drinking. But it's part of the show's I like DNA. This one. I like this one a lot. No, it is. is. I mean, it's it's nice and bright. Uh, this is called Escape Engine. I don't think we said that mm. yet. Mm-hmm. Good job, so, Chris. Nice, bright, toasty malt up front. It kind of explodes and then it just kind of starts dropping off. And it's just like this nice little acidic um, sort of brightness that kind of carries all the way through. And it's very low IBU. It's meant to be very quenching, very refreshing. Um, but it still has malt character, which right. is kind of fun. Right. You know, it's like whereas, you know, even Boxer, the Pilsner that we just tried, has some malt character, but it's like just. Just, it's just, just that, 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 that just like right crackery. Down. Everything is kind of really even. Balance is not the right word to use, but it's all really just kind of even across the board. Whereas this definitely uh, gives you that stands out a little, little bit more. pop of like caramel or roast. I mean, just in like a minute amount, but just, just enough, enough to make it to, evident. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, and talk a lot about the, the the food over at the the snackery, and this is this is a beer that I think would go good with a lot of food. Something that kind of compliments things it'll bring other parts of this beer out that you may not taste when you're just sitting there drinking and likewise with the food bring stuff out that you didn't get mm-hmm. the first time when uh, before you were drinking with it mm-hmm. we, yeah, do we do a lot of that that's kind of a lot of our ethos about yep. beer making is things that go well with food because it's so much fun to me to, to be like you know to have especially if it's something that you've already drank before and something you've already eaten before but then when you bring them together to start finding new things in it, like right. again, it just starts that, that conversation. Oh my God, you know, this, this has this flavor in it. And I didn't know that, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's, it, it's fun. We try not to be dogmatic with pairings cause that, that's where it gets pretentious and annoying. And you know, you're like, Oh, oh I gotta have with this. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, we yeah, try to ask me all the time why I don't do that. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, what do you want to drink with that? Mm-hmm. Like, that's your pairing. Like what sounds good? I, I mean, I do some of it now, especially with like spicy stuff. I'm like, look, you want to try something really cool with with beer? Get get some really spicy chicken wings, like tomorrow's. Um, <laughs> yes, they are. And if you have that with a really aggressive West Coast IPA, um, like Ooh, what's it called? Echo Canyon. Echo Canyon um, versus uh, something like 
like this Mexican dark lager, it's a very different experience. Like the very West Coast IPA and the like hoppiness and the bitterness is going to make the wings hotter. It is. Whereas something like this that's more malty is going to actually cool it down. Right. It's a, a very different experience. It's, um, it's, <laughs> I've had lots of wing experiences with IPAs because I think they go really well together, but it does make them hotter, which makes you drink faster, which means you're already drinking an IPA that's maybe a little higher in ABV. It's, it can get a little crazy sometimes. <laughs> yeah, which makes me more money, which is exactly why I want you to do it. The, the beer nerdiness and the food nerdiness tend to overlap quite a bit here, which is which is yeah. really fun because I'm way less of a foodie than these other two guys. And so I'm, <laughs> I'm learning a lot in that aspect and just, just how everything kind of meshes together. I mean, talking about our quasi sorcery that we did the other night, the spicy pickle yesterday, it was- I saw that. We were all just like, oh man, it's missing something. Like, what is it missing? And so we started talking about like what makes a pickle and what carries the flavor and why the normal version of the beer like is so much better. And they were like, it's missing acid. It needs more acetic acid. And then like like three drops in the glass and just boom. It, it explodes. Just, like it completely changed like the mm-hmm. drinking experience. Is there experience. a little over there? Uh, I think there's still a crowler over there. Can we go grab it? Yeah, I think so. Unless it's been sold. Do you want me to go? Here, I'll go. Okay, so, we're going to talk about Mike while he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> talk about, like, so when you guys opened, um, you had this, this this very clear idea of what Nine Giant was. Somebody's phone is too close to something. Scoot that away. There. Sorry, it was going to drive me crazy. <laughs> um you guys had this very distinct idea of, of, of what you wanted out of the snackery. And you talked about how, how busy it got and how crowded it, it still, well, pre-COVID gets. Still gets, somewhat. Does that change, like if, put it this way, if you, if you had to start this whole process all over again, not would you do it because, <laughs> would you do things differently than what you did then, as far as what everything looks like, uh, that's a hard one, man. Because like, we definitely are busier than we planned on being. Uh, that's a lovely problem to have, right? Well, um, it depends on how you look at it. Sure. Um, so yeah, like in a perfect world, we would have had more space, and maybe we would have, knowing what we know now, taken the corner space here that's much bigger. But it was a lot more money, and I think that wasn't probably a reality at that time. Um, it'd be cool to have more space, but I, I'm also like, I wouldn't want to have been anywhere else except for Pleasant Ridge. I think it's been really cool, and being a part of a community here is not a thing a lot of breweries have. Like, a, a, a lot of breweries are out in a warehouse park somewhere, right? Like, because land's cheaper. It's, I mean, it's a whole lot cheaper, um, or rent, whatever. Um, I don't know that that's true anymore, though. That's, that, that's actually, yeah, you're, you're probably right. Um, fair. Yeah. And, and that's like, I feel like they're, that's one of those things that in the last, you know, we'll say 10 years, just to, to be generous with it, because we're in a little bubble here in Cincinnati. Sure. <laughs> that's one of those things that I think people have have kind of learned from over the years, that people want something different now. Yeah. Um, I don't know that Nine Giant and how it feels and some of the some of the things that people love about it would still 
be the same if you guys were, even if you found another, even if right across the street there was this place that was, you know, three times the size right. of what you have currently, if it would still, if it would have that same feeling. And I, I don't know. Like, I, yeah, I don't have a lot of interest in running like a 200 seat restaurant. I just don't. Um, I, I like the intimacy of what we've done here. I like the fact that there's a ton of regulars that we know that I've, you know, grown up with for the last four and a half years. Um, so yeah, I think we'd still do it pretty much the, the same way. I think we would have probably tweaked a few things, tried to figure out um, more storage for the kitchen because that's been one of our biggest. So we, I thought we would do like 20% food, 80% beer. Mm-hmm. That's not reality at all. Um, we do way more food than we planned on. Um, so we definitely underplanned for that. And that's, a lot, that's, that's the reason pre-COVID we didn't do carryout. We just freaking couldn't. Um, just the space didn't exist. Um, oh, pickle beer. Um, so yeah, I think we would do the, do the same thing. We would, you know, we would have known for mistakes with, with the, you know, fermentorium expansion about what to do and push forward and maybe rethink what we were doing here. Um, uh, but yeah, I think we'd still do the same thing. Was there ever when, when the idea of expanding into a different space, um, started to develop, when did that start to, to Probably develop? two and a half years ago. When you guys started having that discussion, was it a discussion of doing a second location or um, a I don't know, production facility for you guys? Probably doesn't sound the way that it, yeah. it's not different for you guys. But um, was was that part of the discussion of what does an expansion for us yeah. look like? We never went so far as where like what does Nine Giant Pro Works look like, right? Like we didn't do that. Because um, I think we didn't have... Definitely not volleyball. You have to have uh, bocce ball. Bocce right. ball courts. Yeah. Um, uh, Got a champion at the table over <laughs> that's here. That's true. And, <laughs> bocce ball nut. Yeah. And uh, just to like sidetrack real quick, like <laughs> like Bobby at 50 West is like one of the smartest brewery owners I've ever met. Like the shit they're doing now, like props to them, man. Like their burger bar is killing it. ProWorks has love, been I love the a great bar. thing. I it's, love the burger bar more than I love the original brew pub, more than I love yeah. ProWorks, more than anything. Yeah, I love that a, burger it's bar. just a concept that, that found smart, its place. Yeah. And it's just, it's perfect for what it is. They get, again, they understand what they are, they understand what their, what their brand is. They get how they can extend it. Like, um, but even yeah. that took time for them to for kind sure. of to dial that in and figure that Years. out. And then all of a sudden, absolutely, all of a sudden it became very, very Boom. obvious. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, so uh, we, we did talk initially. So we knew we wanted a barrel aging space. That was really where this came from. Um, getting and we looked just at some, a little bit bigger. Getting yeah. just a little bit bigger. And we looked at some, some warehousey things that are close by. And what we found was talking logistically about how we're going to get beer over to that was just a giant pain in the ass. Right. So this space we found out. So first had had been empty and there was some people looking at it and we're like, man, like, why don't we just go right out the back door with some pipes and over into the basement? And that we're like, okay, that sounds pretty interesting. And then we found out someone was very seriously looking at it. And we're like, we got to put up or shut up. So we very quickly did the numbers and figured it out and went, okay, yep, mine. Um, so that kind of happened. I mean, pretty quickly, I think. Generally, yes. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think so. I mean, it was it was trying to get just a little bit bigger, and and you know the way that that I always saw this place was, oh, cool, a spot that we can be a little bit more just beer focused, like kind of like not have the same 
I don't want to say distractions, but it's like, it's just, it's just more, not really a beer cathedral, but like, it's just more focused experience on beer and cocktails and drinking. And as opposed to like the holistic experience that is like the sitting down and breaking bread and being a big loud family over at nine giant 1.0. So you, you made it a comment earlier, like setting up like, Oh, it's actually quiet in here. It's kind of different than the original nine giant. And we're kind of hoping it's going to be that way. So, you know, it's, it's a 50 person sit down, lounge-ish sort of space. We're going to have some high-top tables. We'll have a couple of soft seats, um, 30 taps, nice big beer area. And then we've also got like a small, like, you know, possible 50-person sit-down pre-COVID or post-COVID event space. So we've got space to be able to do things. Like this is, what, three times what our tap room is easily? Total with the with the downstairs, yeah. I mean, uh, it's five thousand total. Yeah, yeah. So thirty-four, so, one and a half times. But in terms of like the tap room is twelve hundred feet, including Fair. the yeah, bar right, right, behind right. the bar. Fair. I mean, you're talking like a right. thousand feet. Here's you know two thousand feet of like right, right, occupiable space. Yeah, so it's, it's gonna be quite intimate until I decide we're gonna have like clown night or something, <laughs> which red balloons everywhere. Oh, marketing, yeah. marketing. Was there um, so? Baseballs, the flamethrower. <laughs> what about, um, and this is, again, down another rabbit hole, um, live music. You guys are very music-focused in what you do also. Was there a discussion? I, you talk. You look at some other places that have opened up, be it Urban or Fretboard, whoever, that have this huge music focus that um, very well could have been a, a Nine Giant 2.0 kind of yeah. um, idea of a space that had a music focus like that. Was there any kind of thought into going that direction with a uh, an expansion? Or we never went there. No um, music promotion. I think was an area that was just a bridge too far for us. I don't know. Yeah, I don't want to deal with it. Yeah, like I think it's super cool. Like I think what Fretboard's doing is awesome. What Urban's doing is great. Oh, yeah. Like. Um, so that, I mean, they're also those are much bigger spaces, right? And yeah. you would have had you 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 bite off a lot of that. Um, so yeah, I don't think we ever wanted we ever really talked about doing that. Mm-hmm. Like, and definitely, I mean, obviously, there's a very musical um, lean to what we do from a branding side with like you know beer names. Um, and a lot of this is born out of like it's one thing Mike and I have in common is a very similar musical taste, and then also it's just like beer names are hard. Like mm-hmm. there's a kajillion breweries out there and they all have a, like 50,000 beers. So if you want something unique or like quasi unique, like you need to, um, it's kind of naming convention, especially when you do, you know, eight, nine, 10 IPAs a year, you know, sometimes, it's, sometimes I very much appreciate the Mount Carmel approach of this is IPA. <laughs> this is Mount Carmel IPA. It's smart. I mean, we'll, we'll get back around to that. Yeah, sure. I mean, Kierkegaard does the same thing, right? Right. Just, right. They're just called IPA. Like, yeah. I um, I don't know. Like, I'm curious to like a place like this. Like, how important is, um, how important are beer names and some of that stuff that goes behind stuff? Like, is that um, the amount of time that goes into research for beer names is kind of astounding. But it's, from, it's from a slightly consumer perspective, yeah. too, like, it, does it for the consumer? Probably not. I mean, I think it's fun. Like, and we. Uh, like, I'll hear stories about people that come in um, later at night after I'm gone and are, like, trying to, like, figure out where all the references right. are from. I'm like, man, that's really cool. Like, would have never expected that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it has been a funny little, like, yeah. you know, trivia well, game at the It's more for sometimes. us. It's, like, it, it's almost, it's, 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 I think it's really for us. It's a way to, like, 
talk about what is this Pilsner versus that Pilsner, um, your phone being close there is making it angry. It's some, your phone is, for some reason, I don't yeah, know, just mine. doesn't like my microphone. It's just yours. Sorry. <laughs> Um, but no, it's, it's more for us to be able to say like, oh, what was the guava ginger thing called? And what was the cucumber one called? And um, just a way for us to sort of know what they were. I think customers like it. I mean, they, well, it, they, there's definitely, we've built some brands with them. Like Safe Ferris definitely has mm-hmm. its, its brand. Some of the IPAs do mm-hmm. at this point. Um, we're across the street from an awesome record shop. Right. And, you know, yeah. you definitely get customers coming in here with record sleeves that mm-hmm. are drinking beer and talking about music. Very big time. It's yeah. nice. Yeah. Well, it also, you know, you, again, goes back to that starting conversations and something to talk about when you're sitting around drinking. And, you know, somebody, hey, do you know what that one means? And, you know, on one hand, it makes you feel cooler than your friends if you know it and they don't. And then on the other hand, you get, you know, the, the, the one that you do know and it makes you feel good. Like it's, uh, I don't know, it just adds that whole other yep. kind of aspect to it all. But, um, you know, the, the, the sitting around and drinking. I was, mm-hmm. Can we just get back to that? Finding <laughs> connections. Exactly. Um, I need to connect with that pickle beer. Okay. So I, I just want to double check. This was in the cooler under the bright tank. Was that for any good reason? Is that, nope. is that okay? They're all, okay. They're all, all good right. to go. Now we, we are taking this away from somebody in the tap room because Tyler oh. was like, is that another pickle beer? I'm like, I'm kind of going to steal it for the... Uh, for the podcast, so here's here's the regular version of the beer. Um, so this was this was yesterday Tuesday's sorcery, and sorcery was something born as to you know because we became very food focused. We wanted to um, we wanted to do something that was absolutely beer focused. So we came up again with this idea of like putting pressure on ourselves and doing one offs. Well, this is a weekly one-off of one of the beers that we do. It's either something that we've done small batch. So that's what you're drinking right now. It's just the cucumber key lime, very emergency beer. Yeah. It's all emo names for the Berliners. That so was kind of our name and convention. So then we took that because Brandon's a very big maven of spicy things. Huge. It's <laughs> true. Huge. Never usually hot enough for him. So we were kind of, you know, and, and spicy pickle beers are kind of a thing. It's, it's spicy pickle beer season, so why not try and do it? Mean, to be fair, this is very clearly a ripoff slash homage to yeah. Urban Artifacts spicy pickle. I think yeah. they'd be okay with this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, why so not? honestly, so, and I've been very open about that on like social media. Like, so I'd never had that beer, and I, I, I've had pickle before, and I was like, pickle's cool. Like, it's, it's interesting. Um, and I found a four pack this year, and I had one like late at night. I was like, this thing is fucking amazing. Um, <laughs> mind blown by the spicy pickle beer. And I was like, we have a cucumber Berliner. Like it would be like a travesty to not do a riff on this with that beer. So, so I talked him into doing it. What all gets added to this to make it a uh, spicy yeah. pickle? This was uh, mustard seed, coriander, black peppercorn, dill seed, dill weed. Uh, I think that was it. And then a Carolina Reaper. And a Trinidad Scorpion, yeah, pepper. So yeah. we we we've kind of developed this way to quick confuse a lot of flavors into beers. We're kind of making little tinctures and pressure cook things, and this and that. And there's a lot of weird stuff we've had to develop to be able to shove a ton of flavor in beer in usually like a couple of days. So this was a lot of trial and error and dosing and ratios and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, yeah, so this goes back to where we were in the first part of the podcast. What makes a pickle a pickle? So here's all the components of pickle spice. 
you start rattling them off and you start kind of tasting through some of them. We did not go to garlic. We, we had a discussion about garlic and we kind of limited <laughs> ourselves on garlic, talked about it a lot. We're like, oh, I was missing that. And that's when we wind up kind of back again towards the acid. It's like, that is, you can put all those spices in there. You're still going to need that little low hum on the back end of the beer to carry that acetic acid because it comes because it stays with you for a long time. That's what kind of finally sold it for us. So go back to very emergency and try that. Man. That's citric acid heavy on the front. Right. And it gives you that front pop and then it kind of goes away. But with the pickle, it's like you get all that spice up front. You need something to kind of carry it on the back end. It's just a whole different. Yeah. Whole the different lime got, got totally lost. Yeah. I don't so know So we where had to go back and add it was rice, wine, vinegar, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, into it to get the flavors to sing. That's really good. It's, it's not... Um, it's not over the top pickle in your face. No. It really like you can taste like the deconstructed kind of aspect yeah. of the pickle too. Mm-hmm. Man, that yes, we really we good. spent what five sessions tasting <laughs> beers and dosing things into half pints and stuff, trying to figure this out. And, this is all for um, thirty crowlers, yeah, ten gallons like, of beer. The two years I've been here, this is probably like the most thought put into a sorcery. <laughs> and just like tasting it, no, yeah. it's not quite right. Let's do this. Let's try this, and then yeah, finally we, we got it. We also waited four extra days to release it because we we're waiting for the heat to build correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so one thing I like doing a lot on the food side more is taking like really hot, stupid hot peppers and making them like tolerable and showing like you, you can cook with some really dumb shit. Um, so super these hot, are, but they have good flavor. Yeah, so the, these are two of the hottest peppers in the world. Um, we used one each in a 10-gallon batch, um, sliced them open and just let them set. Um, and you, what you get is a really nice like back of the throat burn that well, yeah, builds it's, without it's, being. It's hitting me more now than yeah. it did. Kind of, that's really good. Yeah, it's, it's but not so much that like you're you're upset that you drank a spicy beer. I've had beers that were oh, spicy sure. beers that just it kind of ruins it ruins your night. You can't drink anything else after right. it. It's just mm-hmm. um, this is really really good. <laughs> yeah. So so again, this is something weird that we do for a week. And then, you know, it goes away. Like we've been kind of experimenting with crawlers with this just because we haven't been able to, what the original thought of, of sorcery night was bringing people in and on a Thursday, which has been a very variable night for us. It can be okay. It can be like, nobody shows up. It's just kind of a strange night and you're just trying to like even everything out. So it was a way to try and get beer nerds in and say like, Oh, you want to do something really unique? Double dry hop or citrus or, you know, something crazy in an IPA. Everybody shows up. You better make a, a ton of it. Right. Whereas, you know, if I've got a, like a like a pear, like an Asian pear spice saison, nobody cares. But it was something fun that we wanted to do. We care. We yeah. care. But it's like it's not necessarily driving traffic. So it's one of those things that like if we can get it in a container and it goes out and somebody might come across town to get it just because it is something re- that you're really passionate about. It's like there's the spice people. There's the IPA people. There's there's lots of the stout people. They're out there and they travel all over. Um, so it's it's just kind of finding you know, a way to, instead of sitting, maybe you sit down and eat with us where you might not have time to do, but maybe you got time to run by and grab a crowler. So right. that's kind of the direction we're starting to move with some of those things. And that's, it's, it's worked for street side. It's worked for what labs is now. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it seems to be a thing and it's a way that we can kind of do a one-off canning boom. And there it is. Well, in, in, in the world today, like I can't go to a tap room and sit around a table with all of my friends and have a beer. I might be able to share a crowler with them. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, depending on how you how close you are with your friends and yeah. you know, you know the, who's in your bubble, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, to be able to just 
share beers with people. I keep going back to that that idea of um, just sitting around and sharing something, and this is this is a great example of one of those ones that which it's it's perfect for it. You know, if you you talk to some people, and Cincinnati's weird. I think we. Um, because of Urban Artifact, we've overcome our fear of pickle and mm. and beer together because everybody kind of knows at this point that it doesn't necessarily taste like drinking pickle juice. But it sort of does. But there are <laughs> there are plenty of people that you know if you tell them that this is a pickle beer, they're afraid of it, and you know to um, to create a way for people to kind of push themselves into that other boundary of trying things that might scare them or make them nervous and just, just try this. It's, yeah. it's got really hot peppers in it and it's a pickle beer. <laughs> yeah. well, just, like just wait for a pastrami pilsner. <laughs> um, what did oh, no. Urban did the uh, the rye uh, it was like a rye goza. Oh like salted rye thing right? Salted rye. That but was then, delicious. Yeah that was. But did you have it in the tap room when they released it the first time? No. It came with a little sandwich. Uh, a little awesome. A little tiny sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> I, the first time I went in there and ordered it, and she's like, oh, that comes with a snack. And I said, what? <laughs> and she pulls this tray out and unwraps it, and it comes with this little sandwich. There you go. Embrace the it was, weird. It I, was love amazing. It. I love it. It was it. absolutely amazing. And that's the kind of stuff that I just want so much more of, something that is just, just different and just embracing like the idea of thinking outside the box. Like I, I love... I love a good traditional beer. I love drinking a big Oktoberfest out of a Stein this time of year, and like that's fun to me. But I also like this idea of just something that's different that maybe somebody else has never done before, and like that there is still plenty of room for that. It may not be you know creating your own beer style, but pushing these little limits of what people think is normal, I think, is so right. much fun. So what what's the weirdest sorcery we've done? The freaking cilantro saison. Oh for, no, that was but that was like that wasn't a good that wasn't good weird like. Uh, okay. So we've done we've done ice cream floats with um, that with thing was really good ice cream. It was an ice cream float in a in a in the um, pastry stout. Um, we did a carrot cake IPA. That was uh, probably the weirdest one. That was like four weeks the, ago. The, that was the last one. That was weird. Awesome. That was. That was so I, I was really I was really happy with that. Like how'd trying you, to put all that. How'd together. you do the carrot? Uh, if if you start to think about again, these are discussions that we have. It's like, all right, so what's in a carrot cake? You know, and it's like it, I love how you go like existential, like what makes a well, carrot cake a carrot well, cake? If why, you ask the carrot why cake, is a carrot cake? <laughs> if the carrot's next to the carrot cake, what is it? What are they talking about? If two carrot uh, cakes, never mind. So I mean, it's it, again, it's it's similar to trademark pumpkin beer. It, it's about the spicing involved in it. So yes, there was some carrots that were harmed in the making of that beer, but like I mean, it's really about it's the spicing, it's the cream cheese, it's the right. you know the raisin, it's it's the clove, allspice, walnuts. We actually we had nuts in that beer, so it, it's and it's it's about trying to pull all those pieces together and making that sort of like cohesive flavor that they all come together and do their thing. There's a little ginger, um, you know, and then it's there's lactose and there's vanilla and it's, it's, it's those components that come together and you start kind of layering them on top of each other and you eventually come out with them. Here here it is. So this, this all came about because a buddy of mine who's into the like whale beer community, like finding the the 450 North stuff, right? Um, He brought a bunch of stuff in one Sunday and we're like drinking a sour Skittle Imperial Berliner or something from 450. And it was great, honestly. And um, I wouldn't want more than like half a can of it. Um, but he's like, man, I want somebody to do a carrot cake IPA. And I was like, I'll do a carrot cake IPA. He's like, no, you won't. Like, yeah, I will. 
Um, so I, I came in, I think it was at Chris the next day, and I was like, hey, how about this thing? Would that work? And he's like, that's maybe not the worst idea you've ever had. Yeah. I, I mean, like, you know, right, it, I'll take it. it. Until you start to like parse it out and be able to, it's kind of, it's two different things. It's like, all right, you have a good idea and then being able to like kind of execute it and like truly get all those flavors in. Cause and again, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of just like relying on extracts to like hit all those notes. I want to like try and get those things in a beer and not damage the beer completely and it not be a flat, you know, disgusting, lifeless thing. That's, that's kind of fun and challenging to do. Well, it's, it's different if it's like a one note thing. Like I want to, I want a, a, a carrot beer versus carrot cake becomes this Correct. whole other thing. And how do you create that? And, yeah. you know, a spicy pickle is not just a spice, you know, a cucumber gonna, that's you know, like pickled. It's no, there's, there's, there's so many things that go into that. And it's a very, right. it's a very fun way to approach stuff. And, and the thing that I've always tried to drive home the point, at least on my side of things is it still needs to be a beer. It still needs to be evocative of this is drinking a beer, but it has all these other things in it. You know, I think the spicy pickles on the edge, but I think it still tastes like a beer. It's like the carrot cake IPA still had flavors of that, like those sort of fruity notes you would right. get in an IPA it was kind still of IPA. version there. Yeah. Do you think people appreciate some of the the stuff that goes into beers like that? Or no, no not at all. In this world of jelly belly jelly beans that taste like everything out there, people just because those things are on the shelf now I mean that's the thing it's like it used to be a novelty that like the mustard beer yes a long time ago I had mustard in a saison and I'm like oh this is awesome but like French's that's a whole different connotation of like (laughs) this isn't mustard tea this is like yellow mustard Mustard. like (laughs) we should probably try and find some I mean you know I'm I'm sure I'm definitely going to try to get it I mean what's what's one of the components of mustard acetic acid I mean that's it's like that vinegar tang is like what drives that thing I don't know it might be really good it's it's, it's, it's probably not (laughs) Um, but the one thing Mike and Chris do really really well because there's not to disparage anybody directly, um, but there, like a lot of times, these like milkshake IPAs, some some of these like super adjuncted things, like they they don't taste like what they started with. Right. Like milkshake IPA, like I pretty much freaking hate milkshake IPA because it doesn't taste anything like IPA ninety percent of the time. Um, there are some exceptions, and I think we've made one that was um, different that still mm-hmm. tasted. It had the hoppy notes to it. Most of it just gets slaughtered with like right. vanilla and lactose. Um, even like carrot cake thing, like you smelled it and you went, man, that smells like carrot cake. And you taste it, you're like, there's carrot cake in there. And it's still IPA. Like that's mind boggling. Mm-hmm. Um, the spicy pickle, because it starts as a cucumber key lime Berliner, probably is it a little further out because it's already <laughs> a beer that doesn't taste like a beer. Mm-hmm. Um, why is Berliner Weiss? <laughs> um, that wasn't me asking that question. No. It's fun how as I drink it, it changes so much like it um it melds together a lot more through the the glass that it did at the beginning it's it's a really good beer um talking about a spicy pickle beer and uh, mustard beers and things like that just gave me this brilliant i know you guys don't do flights but now i need a flight oh here that is a here we are by the way i need a sausage beer a mustard beer and a pickle beer on a little flight board together yeah. and create a deconstruction. <laughs> we'll do like the guest tap. So who's at street side has the worst. Uh, we'll do the French's Oscar blues. Yeah. yeah. Really? We're just going to like Sour do a whole crab. flight with like, and we'll just like make sandwiches. So we'll do like, a, <laughs> that's like, such a fun a, idea. Like, yeah. So we'll do like uh, Cubanos. We'll do like a ham and cheese Pilsner, uh, a mustard Berliner, uh, uh, 
bread pastry. I don't know. <laughs> I quit. Coming soon, the pastelito like pastry stouts. But I've never, I've never seen something like that where you know a series of beers together creates some kind of other thing. When you're like, it's there's there are still fun things that people can do with stuff and kind of lighten up about this whole thing that you yeah. know it's it's. Let's call Scott. It's, We're going to do the still the, the, the uh, turn for the worst. Mm-hmm. We'll do the old blank slate collab, mm-hmm. um, and we'll do spicy pickle with it. And if you we'll get Urban get, Artifacts right here. If you could get yeah. Scott to do any kind of collaboration and admit that he's doing any kind of collaboration, mm. he would be. Uh, I'm not. That's the hard part. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> there, there have been oh, long-standing <laughs> talks about it. I, I've heard from other people about talks about doing things, but it never happens, or never happens in a way that people can talk about. It. Yeah, and this doesn't yeah. mean anything. But Scott was here today yeah. in this very room. No. That means something. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Um, we, we've gone way away from the idea of an expansion. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, we are doing flights here, by the way. Ha-ha. Yeah. So if you want to drop that little not yeah, that yeah, we on you. Oh, you guys. Yeah. You guys finally caved. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, barrel stuff you have to. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, I'm not going to force you to drink, you know, eight ounces of, uh, you know, ten percent plus beer. Should. That seems kind of mean. <laughs> How's it mean? It's like the nicest thing you could do for somebody. Well, they have to go home. That's true. But yeah, so that so we're we're kind of working through the logistics of how we'll do that, and 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 you know, uh, we're hoping that that we are busy here, but not busy like that place gets busy right. to where we're just jamming so many people in there and we can't you know keep up with service because that was one of our biggest gripes. Again, going doing research at Mad Tree is like that place was overrun like all the time. And that was part of its charm. That was part of what made Mad Tree 1.0, Mad Tree 1.0. And I just, you looked at the bartenders and somebody would be like, yeah, I want to get like three flights. And then like they're rattling off beers like very slowly and numbers. And it's like, that's no fun for anybody. You know, it also has created some of the best bartenders in the city. Just resilience. Because of they, they had to learn from that. Right. (laughs) There's there's a lot of bartenders around town that you know cut their teeth at Mad Tree that mm-hmm. are fantastic now mm-hmm. because of being forced to uh, to learn in, a, in an environment like that. The hand to hand combat. <laughs> um, what do you guys want people to know about anything about Nine Giant? Be it uh, Nine Giant, the original, the, the snackery, or Nine Giant, the drinkery, or <laughs> What do you what do you want people to know about you guys that you think they don't already know? Hmm. They don't already know. We're such a, a we're a bit of a niche place because of where we are in the city and we don't we don't really market to it like, you know, the, we don't blanket the city. There are still people that don't know who we are. Um, are there? I don't know. I think so. There People, are times. I mean, there have to there there have to be like logically thinking about it, but it seems crazy to me to think that. I have no idea if they were local or not, but people were in today and asked if we made our own beer. That happens though. Huh. I mean, you know, it's we have food. I bet we we're known for food. I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, you know. well, and it's. Uh, so yes, what I was going to say was, I bet if you went to Mad Turn any given night. And pulled the people that were sitting there, less than half would know who Nine Giant was. Mm. Yeah. And that's five minutes away. So I, I think we actually have a lot of room to, 
to grow. That, that, yeah. that, that doesn't upset me. It's but just, that's just because half the people at Madrid are like children. Fair, yeah. fair, fair, fair. I, I would say half dogs. Half the children adults. and dogs. Right. <laughs> Not dogs right now. That's um, true. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think we've, we've definitely, the, we've gotten a lot of notoriety for the food. And I think that's because the care we put into the food side is different than what a lot of other places do, including restaurants. Like, um, <laughs> like we, we, we really, like I spend a lot of my time talking to our chef and talking through like ideas and, um, thinking through what's next. And I mean, like, um, I remember at one point about a year ago, like we had slowed down the cadence of changing, um, dishes on like food side. And I walked in one day, I was like, Hey Drew, who's our chef? Do you, do you have time to meet? And he's like, yeah. I was like, I have this idea. He's like, okay, what's that? And I, I took the menu and I just ripped it up. And I was like, fuck this whole thing, man. Like, <laughs> let's start over. Like, I'm tired of it. Let's get rid of everything. And he's like, oh God. <laughs> um, and we ended up coming with, 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 with a new sort of cadence and a th- we thought through about what, why certain dishes exist from an existential standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, See, it's good. But we just do it's that cleansing. kind of stuff. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm just like, the worst things happen for my staff when I get bored. Because I'll come up and just like, with the idea to just like shit can everything. It's like, I mean, I came to you guys like, what, six months ago. I was like, hey, I got this idea. We're going to like tear up the concept for the beer and we're going to do Crispy Boys and bring back West Coast IPA and do this thing. And um, it wasn't a different thing, but it was certainly like a, okay. It's well, slightly revolutionary, but you know, it, it's because, you know, that's still going to be, it's going to be like 10, maybe 12 taps if we expand it out next door. We only have so much room over there. It's meant right. to be right. a tight changing experience. It's not going to be that gigantic beer menu and like, you know, you get lost in it. We're going to try it. That's going to be one of the challenges here is like being able to kind of replicate some of that have a little extra and just not get lost in like, oh, there's like all these beers ever all the place. What do I really want? It's still going to be a balanced menu when it all comes down to it, um, but providing a little bit more variety. I think that's that's kind of what it what what we're trying to do. And you know, it is, and it has been. That was a great conversation that that you did bring up to us because that kind of like again, it's like, hey, cool. We don't have to like you know. We, we I think at one point we had so fought fought the idea of like you know the IPA Mageddon of like what everybody's tap list became because that's what everybody was drinking. And I was like, Hey, what if we approach this in a little bit different way? And it's like, and then it's like, how do we guide ourselves when we go from 10 taps to 30 taps? Like, what are we really trying to do? How are we trying to differentiate what we do? It's important. Those are important conversations to have. Um, We just try to have them on all fronts, sometimes all at the same time, which can get a little, Tough. We had, we, had, we had gotten dogmatic about our approach to yes. the tap list. It was like, oh, tap seven has to be like not super dark, but kind of dark. And, <laughs> and that, that was my fault, right? But there like, are people like the gnome that care about dark beers, though. I know. But I think we were so scared of like having more than one IPA on because we would hear people come in and go, oh, thank God you guys don't just have IPA. It's like we only have 10 taps, but like we also want to play with IPA and like having being able to showcase like what's our take on East Coast versus West Coast? Like, that means you gotta have two on. So, and then you're gonna have a double IPA, triple IPA, pale ale, like, what do you do? It's also a whole different conversation though when you're talking about Nine Giant over there versus Nine Giant over here. Mm -hmm. When somebody walks in over there, it almost doesn't matter what anything is on tap or on the menu. People are coming there for that experience of it doesn't matter. A place like this, I don't know that that is the same thing. If somebody walks in here, they mm-hmm. might expect their 
to be a an IPA. Thing. Yeah. And they might expect you to have Jack Daniels behind the bar because that's what they drink. They want you know like it's a, it's it's a bar. Yes. It's it's a it opens up this whole other kind of can of worms of yeah. what people are expecting when they walk in. One more question. Uh, look into the future. Nine Giant. Um, where does this thing grow? For you know, for years it seemed like the idea behind breweries was that you just grow, 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 grow. That's how you succeed. That's the only way to do it. If you're not growing or thinking about growing, um, you're doing something wrong. Right. You guys. Aside from the fact that we're sitting in growth, um, that's not who you guys are you're you're very focused on this and this is who you are and this is you make this sustainable and you go with it um is that long term is that where this is or is there some kind of idea in the back of your head that maybe this is an idea that could grow to different locations or whatever it may be is this uh, I, that's a difficult question to answer. Like, I know where my head's at. I, we, we, we may have different answers about this. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Um, for me, like, I, I don't think we're done here. I don't. I don't think this is it. Um, I don't know what that looks like. I think. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at. I don't know what it looks. Yeah, like. Yeah, I, I don't. I well, don't that's, know. That's, it's hard right now, especially to, to understand. <laughs> right. What anything looks like. And, and part of that, I mean, honestly, it's. I mean, not to be, some um, sort of a cop, but like you have to be a little flexible right now and willing to move pretty fast and think pretty fast because there could be some opportunities that present themselves before this virus goes away um, that could be interesting. Like, um, not that I wish anyone poorly, but you've already seen, you know, Braxton's taking over three points partially because of COVID. Um, I don't know what's going on with the other place in, you know, that. Yeah, that one. He whose name we cannot mention. Um, They say they're still open. Yeah, right. Uh, Hey, um, operating, I don't know. Who right. knows? I mean, that's the right. thing. It, it's it, it's difficult. Yeah. Look, look, this this is not fucking easy times right now, right? Yeah. Like, and I don't I don't mean to like shirk that, but like, you know, some people are going to fail and some people are going to make it. And if the right opportunity came along for us to do something interesting in a space that we thought was interesting, and I don't know, I have no idea where that is. No. And I don't wish anyone to close. I can go steal their spot. But um, you know, I would always be interested in looking at those things. Um, definitely, you know, the, the, the hardest part of doing one of these is building the, is getting the doors open. So taking over a space that was already done that you could go, okay, let's flip that concept, maybe add a kitchen on next door. And I think we would always, if we were doing something else, I think it would be something that had food involved um, until or I don't know, unless this fermentorium concept really murders it, then I, maybe I, I rethink that. But right now, I think Nine Giants become kind of um, a nexus of food and drinks, and um, certainly from a vantage point of a brewery. And I'd love to t- try that somewhere else. It's, it's kind of the, like Modern Times model for me. Like I would mm-hmm. love to do that, yeah. where they've taken what Modern Times was and gone and doing little small like outposts. Um, maybe we do a bigger outpost because the, the starting outpost <laughs> is pretty damn small. small. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, we've we've kicked around the idea of putting a burger bar somewhere. Not to like this is pre Fifty West doing their burger mm-hmm. bar thing, but like doing a small burger stand kind of thing in downtown. Like that'd be kind of cool. Um, no one's doing that. Right. Um, I don't know. We have a. I think we've we've built a, a pretty strong repertoire of both beer and food ideas, and. You're yeah. not cemented into anything. No. no. <laughs> Which I guess is, you should 
expect that when you look yeah. at who you guys are. But, but it, I don't. I don't think we have a lot of interest, or I, I don't, in building a big, you know, a big production, massive kind of production of works. Now. Like, it's just that model's getting really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of capital. It's a lot of time. You're fighting an endless battle of trying to keep on the shelf at stores and stuff. Like, it's also it's just, really, really difficult to build that that brand and get it to connect with people and to people want a neighborhood spot. We, I feel like we've been yelling about that for years that people right. want neighborhood spots that they yep. can connect with by just sitting at the bar and connecting with the people around them. And I like guess that's, that's difficult to do when you're talking about a massive production facility that's putting beer on shelves all across the, uh, the Midwest. And right. It's, and it's kind of antithetical to what we do. I mean, we don't have flagships. We don't have these things that are like driven market driven. Like right. we're never going to, I'm going to say never, say never, but like yeah. we're never going to have a beer that's 75% of what we do. That's probably, it's probably not in the cards. Right. And that's where a lot of those breweries are like, you know, you know, dogfish head at one point, like, like 60 minute IPA was like 70% of what they made, right. you know? Yeah. I mean, Sculpin has to be 70% of Ballast Point, if not way more than that. Right. And it's just I don't know what Ballast Point looks like. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> no one really does. But, but that's, that's just one of those things like, like, that's just not maybe who we are in the at the end of the story, but like we certainly look at it. I mean, again, trying to take opportunities and, and take advantages out of them. Um, but you know, this was this was our first idea, and kind of glad it worked. You know, Cincinnati's Cincinnati may not be a mecca, but it's definitely gaining notoriety. I feel like across the country for being a good beer city, and if you look at like older beer cities san diego la portland seattle a lot of the west coast stuff like yeah they had the huge like breweries that expanded and you can buy their stuff everywhere but a lot of the stuff that is working currently is that kind of smaller neighborhood feel like yeah maybe maybe they have a canning line maybe they hire Ironheart and they just pump out like a small amount of cans but they're not fighting everyone for tap handles and shelf space across the city they have like their core kind of like radius they bring people in, send a little bit of stuff out, and then they just have a following. Like, I think as far as a city goes, like you need those bigger places to pull some attention. We've we've definitely got that going on here between right. Sam Adams and Ryan Geist, and you know, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> we we have those bigger places. Um, hopefully, all of them are gonna <laughs> be around for a while, but. Um, it's the other stuff, the the spice on top that I think, and not to take away from the bigger places, but mm-hmm. it's that totally. that's you have what, to have both of them. That's mm-hmm. what really starts to define the personality of a beer city. In the you know, we've got that. We've we're, we're close to becoming we're something there. that I think is yeah. um, that that stands up to uh, those other places that you've mentioned. Uh, what's the count at, Noam? That's complicated. It, it, it depends where you draw the circle, right? It's yeah. not even that though. You've got. <laughs> You you now have places like Brewdog that holds a brewing license, has never made a beer in that place. Platform has a location in OTR that's technically a brewery. There's not an ounce of stainless steel in that building, you know. Like so, uh, how do you how do you count it? Um, multiple locations. Fifty West technically has three breweries in Cincinnati, technically, because each one of those holds a brewing license. The Burger Bar is a brewery, technically. <laughs> I yeah, I don't know. I don't want to count it. Well, they have to be. I mean, 
But yet, yeah, but yeah. even if so, even I if mean, you say, "Oh, Burger Bar is part of Pearl Works," a, so what? The, I got a liquor license for Copper and Flame. Well, <laughs> so it's the, all just cheat, man. You know, across the street, you've got the Brew Pub versus Pearl Works. Are those two separate breweries, or is this? I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's complicated. We'll say a lot. A lot. <laughs> I think official count is like seventy something. I think on my website, I think it's like sixty three or something when mm-hmm. I really break it down to how I count it. It, it. It's a far cry from San Diego, which is like in the 170 sure. range if you add in sort of the metro area. But I think we... That metro area looks very different. It's, than very, it's very different. It's much more dense than what we have going on. But but still, it's like it's the idea that, that you have you have the big players, you have the national players, you have, you know, little places like Nine Giant that, you know, pump out 450 barrels of beer next to Rheingeist, which is... Well, they crested 200,000. Forget Ryan, guys. We've got a Miller brewery in Trenton exactly. cranking out millions. Yes, of millions and millions. <laughs> you know, and Sam Adams Sam is Adams, over yeah. 2 million. Right. You know, so we've, you've got this big range of beer to where it becomes a destination for people who are driving through. Like, we, we've got tourists coming from, you know, Columbus who, by word of mouth, talk to somebody at 50 West or talk to somebody at Match who's like, oh, you got to go check out Nine Giant. Go, right. go up the street and go over here because they've got this thing that they're doing that's unlike anybody else is doing. We get a lot of business that way. That's great. And I love those people. And that's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we're, we're making other brewers, bartenders, um, other, other, our peers are like, hey, you guys are doing something great. Somebody, you should go check them out. That's awesome. Um, I, you know, what else do you want? I mean, you have to respect to your peers. You're, you're able to make money and continue to expand. That's, that's cool. I mean, that's, that's what makes a good experience. And as you, you know, continue to drive people into the city, someday it'll start to come back again. You know, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things, surviving where we are right now and then just trying to plan for opportunities in the future. We'll never, you know, turn anything down. I mean, why not look at something? I mean, right. we're not that old just yet. No. <laughs> You guys are fine. You're going to okay. survive COVID and um, keep kicking for us and keep making beer, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Have to have to at least ask. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No. We'll be fine like cockroaches. <laughs> I appreciate what you guys do here so much that I can't even explain it to you. Even if it takes me like 10 years between episodes to get here and do it, um, I appreciate what you guys do more than I can tell you. So thank you, thank you very much for being thank you. being a part of the city and a huge part of the city, even though you guys aren't as big as some other places. So. It's okay. Sensi Brewcast, the voice of Sensi Craft. <laughs>